Bob Stoops ruined my childhood. It's the Inside OU Podcast on the Franchise Podcast Network. If you listen to this OU Compliance, I don't endorse that last message. With Brady Trantham and Keegan Renault. Mike Stoops should be put on trial for war crimes. It's the Inside OU Podcast. Keegan and I have been talking for like an hour now, and we've uh, we've got a lot to uh, prep for. Uh, it's game week, we think. Yeah, Keegan Renault here. Well, I mean, that's Keegan Renault. I'm Brady Trantham. Keegan Renault, Sooners Wire, uh, powered by USA Today, powered by God, powered by the Sun, uh, which has left Oklahoma City for the last day and a half. It's rainy. It, it feels like if it's fall. It's the first day of fall, Keegan, so it, I guess it feels like football outside. It's felt like football outside, right, for the last week, kind of. I mean, it's yeah. been cooler evenings, colder mornings. Feels great, and hopefully, and I guess I haven't told you this yet, I will not be out at the game Saturday. Are you getting filtered out? I am being filtered out. So you get you trade a game like is it like buying like a season ticket package for basketball? You you get like Texas Tech, Kansas State, just to get the Kansas game. But you miss out on, like, Baylor and Texas and everything. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to be. I'm assuming because Kansas State obviously has a pretty big following in terms of media, like Mercury News, KansasCity.com, all those things. Um, well, I so mean, are they in, are they in they quarantine? Get, no, they, <laughs> that's a good point. But, you know, they 55 members, I think, road teams get seats in the press box, so – that coincided with already a limited amount in the press box. Probably the reason why. I'm not complaining though. It's gonna be fun watching it from home. I got I got some friends that got season tickets. If you want a ticket, you can just walk into the stadium, and you've got plenty of elbow room. If you want to just bring your laptops, like I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't know if I I guess I would be able to connect to the Wi-Fi from the stands. Oh God. Well, I, I don't know. Well, how is the like, inside OU listeners that went to the game? what seems like four months ago against Missouri State. How was the Wi-Fi with, what, 70,000 less people in the stadium? Because you remember, like, every offseason we get told, hey, we improved the Wi-Fi, and every time I've gone into the stadium, every time I hear that propaganda, my phone doesn't send texts, it doesn't receive texts, I can't send tweets, and we all know how important Twitter is. can't send the almighty dynamite tweet <laughs> for the retweets. So uh, I wonder how the Wi-Fi was, but... Nothing stopping press you. Box. Fr- nothing is stopping you from being in the stadium, Keegan. You can be there, maybe, perhaps, maybe, perhaps. We've got some. Uh, we've got some house cleaning duties to get to before we get into the fun that is OU Kansas State week, um, Keegan. Because I don't want to talk for the next five minutes without you chiming in. Just. Overall, what is our plan moving forward for this podcast? And then I'll get into more of the intricate details since it's kind of my idea. I thrust it onto you in a drunken text on Saturday. Oh, were you drunk? Oh man, it was. I was drunk as hell all day. It was fun watching OSU <laughs> screw around with Tulsa and the what the the Turner Turnpike Classic. The turnpike Classic, <laughs> the greatest greatest rivalry in sports. <laughs> it's the first game of the year. Brant can't hold anything back. No, uh, yeah, I, I was very much intoxicated. It was a great day. For uh, me, it was a great day for America. But, yeah, please go ahead. Well, I think obviously still having two podcasts during the week, I believe, is still the plan. And then obviously try to do a post-game pod that's going to be – I know we we did one for the Missouri State game. I believe we plan on doing one Saturday. 
but moving forward, kind I mean, of, I hope so for sure. And but moving forward, uh, help help us help you. Yeah, here here we go, people. Like, look, I'm sorry, you're gonna roll your eyes and go, oh my god, they sold out. I I I get it. Um, yeah, basically, we are going to try and put the uh, post game edition of the Inside OU podcast up on Patreon. And well, I'm not going to bullshit you. The pandemic has been hard for everybody, but even with without the pandemic, like this business does not. We like Keegan and I do this stuff because we enjoy it. Um, we do not do it for the money because if we did, we would have clawed our eyes out by now. I mean, I've been doing, I've been covering the Oklahoma City Thunder now for four years, for two years with the franchise. Um, and this is kind of my first foray into some type of OU media. I mean, I did Inside OU last year completely for free and I would do it again for free because it's fun. Like we, we do these things because every once in a while our office is an NBA arena or a college football stadium. And that makes this job meaningful. But because of the pandemic kind of shining more of a, like a much brighter light on the fact that we do not get paid that much to do this, you know, life things kind of catch up and uh, bills that were once, Oh, not that much of a worry become more of a worry For sure. and so um we are going to put the post game show up on patreon and right now we're thinking about we'll put out some more information during the week um uh for saturday of course at this point i think we're just gonna make it a four dollar subscription and that's not going to be the only thing with inside ou that you're going to be getting um by the season's end like keegan does a lot he, keegan and i've been kind of um shopping some ideas of other content to put on there for you guys to enjoy and to consume because like if you're listening to this podcast you're no you football junkie so we're going to try our best to make it worth your while because i understand like oh god i gotta pay for something that was once free like fuck that basically the, the plea is just like we enjoy doing this uh but it does get hard and you know what i'm not ashamed to say it like we need some help. <laughs> so, for sure. So, and, and, like, for example, you know, get to go, you know, see recruits play and Ethan Downs and Jacob Sexton, and I was able to come up, you know, I was able to come up here and be able to talk about on the post on the podcast, get to see guys play in person and all those kinds of things. And that's what it would kind of help out to, kind of go down to Texas, go see some guys there. And I know you guys like my stuff over at Sooners Wire, so – no, yeah, I mean, I'm a thousand percent with that, and and like you mentioned, you know, this could be an avenue for me to where you can get an up to date whenever I'm watching and breaking down a game on a Sunday night. You can go and check things out right when I'm watching it. And I, as yeah. I told Brady, and a lot of people are aware of this. I mean, I don't share everything I find to the public masses. You don't. You don't want to be mean to people. No. And my prime example was... People are sensitive. It was Jalen Hurts a lot of the times last year. Of course it was. And then Kenneth Murray... I want to see your film breakdown after a Jalen Hurts press conference on Monday. <laughs> I see. I, you keep saying this. I never had a problem. I know you never had a problem with Jalen Hurts. Did I make fun of him for being a little arrogant? I absolutely did. Do I have a problem watching him play the game of football? I do sometimes. He can't hurt you anymore. It's like... When Russell got traded, <laughs> it's like I don't have to complain about him anymore. He's not my problem. I don't have to wait in the locker room for an hour just to talk to him to give him, for him to give me nothing. So, 
Um, but yeah, um, apologies to those that fast forward through all that or had to fast forward through all that because you're rolling your eyes. Um, but I'll just say this. Um, we enjoy doing this podcast and the edition that you're listening to right now is going to always going to be free. I believe in podcasting as a format, um, as, as a medium. And I appreciate it because it's free. Uh, but you know, just frankly put like the post game show is kind of an ass kicking because, you know, Keegan's got his post game stuff. He has to do all day long. I've got my franchise stuff I have to do throughout most of the day. And then we also have lives uh, we also need to eat and Saturdays, you know, are fun for us, even though we're working, like we want to be with our friends and family uh, at a, you know, a six feet, you know, social distance radius with masks on, of course. See, you said this earlier before we came on the podcast. I don't do anything. Well, Keegan, like this, <laughs> do you want, do you want this to turn into like a therapy session? <laughs> you can, we're doing this in my I bed. Do, I do. I do nothing but sit here and. You get sit, on Twitter and watch football. You sit in the dark and look at film. I do. I do. I enjoy it. Damn you, Brian Asamoa. You shed that block. How dare you? Just kidding. He's pretty cool. Friend of, Could be friend of the podcast if OU let players on to podcast. For sure. I would love to. Yeah, he was a good interview uh, the other day. Yeah, him and Jeremiah Hall. Let's, uh, let's get them on the podcast. But yeah, um, everybody, we'll get you out some more information moving forward. Uh, it's just going to be the post-game shows. So uh, we understand that... We're not going to have a zillion subscribers. Uh, we might not even have one subscriber. But even if we did have one, I'm going to tell you right now, I truly appreciate it. And if you're wanting to help out the Inside OU podcast um, for us to keep going, for us to get inspired to have more ideas to give you guys some cool stuff, more cool content moving forward, this would be a step in that direction. So I'm done pleading. I'm done uh, getting down on the floor groveling begging for your mercy, the almighty listener of the Inside OU podcast. But let's get on to the football. Kansas State week? Maybe. I, I believe. Maybe. Uh, that's what the schedule tells me on my uh, cellular device. Um, was today the most viewed, listened, a Kansas State press conference, weekly press conference has been like, ever? Because I, I was tuning in. I you don't did? Th- I don't think I ever tuned tuned into a Kansas State press conference It was taking place ever. while we were doing our press conference with Lincoln. So I didn't pay attention to it. I didn't do much um, with it quite yet. I plan on going back and listening. But I, I think you may be right. Like, from a national perspective, absolutely. It's a 11 a.m. big noon kickoff game. It's a, it's a huge deal in terms of money. And uh, a lot of people are paying attention. And it's... Not looking good, but it's uh, it's better. It may be better than no football. It may be bad for the Kansas State Wildcats, but it's better than no football. Yeah, and if you have been at work all day or you don't exactly know what we're talking about, like some context to all this, Kansas State gets their you know tails handed to them at home by Arkansas State, and then a few days later it comes out that Kansas State you know had a lot of guys out uh, due to contact tracing or. COVID positive, basically akin to what OU had to go through, except OU was a much better team to start off and B, they were playing Missouri State. At the same time, Keegan and I were actually talking about this before we started recording. We don't remember that being that much of a story leading into the first week for Kansas State because watching the game, um, and I watched a handful of it dirt like live, and then I went back and watched it on YouTube in full. I don't recall it really being a story during the game of like, well, Kansas State's out like 10 or so players. 
but you know, having said that, like everything happened as what or as as it did. But then a few days later, when it came out that Kansas State had been dealing with a lot of guys missing time, missing practice, and then missing the game, you kind of go back to the summer, Keegan, where when the players across the country were starting to filter back into campus before all the students came back, Kansas State was probably one of the hardest-hit programs in the entire country because they, they brought guys in, and then they had immediately shut everything down for two weeks because they had such an outbreak. And so it's still bleeding into the se- into the season. And now uh, Kleiman today said, well – we took two steps forward and then we took a step and a half back because we got 12 guys back that were otherwise not available the week prior. But then we had to put 10 guys back into quarantine or into quarantine for the first time. And I think his exact quote was they are one player away from the threshold at a certain position group, whether that's offensive line quarterback or whatever. Um, We are one player away from the threshold of potentially having to, call this game or postpone it or whatever. And so the Wednesday test is looming large. We'll put this podcast out as we're recording it right now, Tuesday uh, evening. So hopefully we get some good news tomorrow morning on Wednesday from Kansas State's point of view. But even still, they can get good news on Wednesday, Keegan. But Friday's still going to be important too. Like you're not out of the woods if Kansas State just comes out tomorrow and says, good news, guys, no one else has been added to quarantine. For sure. And I think the key part of a lot of things that you just said was that it's up in the air. It's clearly up in the air. For the second straight week, it's up in the air. And it's getting tiresome week to week now. And it's only been two weeks. And I know this is going to be all season long. But well, well, we'll get to this. We'll get to that later. But I don't know. But keep going. For sure. And so, yeah, like you said, I wasn't expecting – you know, or heading into the season, I didn't remember much about the, before the Arkansas State game that they had issues and a bunch of guys missing. And then a lot of their top guys played in week one. Yeah. So it didn't make a lot of sense. And then you hear Chris Kleiman talk yesterday and you hear rumors starting early in the week. Um, rumors are, they grew up rapidly today. Uh, I can tell you that they feel as if Oklahoma feels as if the game is going to be played. But there are definitely legs to what's taking place in Manhattan right now. And then some further context, you know, like OU feels confident that they're going to play the game right now. But, I mean, leading into Missouri State, it was Thursday evening, Friday morning, Keegan, where you were telling me, like, you were throwing extreme caution. I mean, Eddie Radosovich was on the morning show on 107.7 up until around that same time going, I don't think the game's going to get played. So OU had one way of thinking going into Missouri State, and then the opposite happened. They played the game, and now they're confident that the game will be played against Kansas State, and who knows how much that can change in the next 24, 48 hours. Absolutely, and it can't. And like you said, last week it took up until Friday. I don't know if it'll take up till Friday this week. I think we'll find out more tomorrow. Uh, as I you know, said before we came on, I think you know Kansas State already has those guys in quarantine. They're you know bubbled up for the rest of this week. So it'll be uh it'll be interesting. I it's how do I say this and say this nicely about Kansas State? They need to get their shit together. A <laughs> B I I mean you say you want to go play this game. I just don't know if you don't have all the players how this helps you and your program get moving forward. And this is a program that's looking to take a step forward this year despite probably having a worse record. 
They're trying to build a program. And they now you're heading into a game against an Oklahoma that is a huge chance for younger guys, for guys that are going to be returning for next year. And I just don't know how much you benefit from just showing up to Norman with 60 60 players and getting your, you know, skull dragged. Because it's based off what they put on tape week one, and I know everything changes week to week, Brady, and you've heard my – and you've seen it and heard my opinions on Kansas State this year. I mean, it's a 28-point line. Right now. That's for – yeah, for right now. That's – even with all the guys back, that's fair. I think that's about where it needs to be. Last year, as you know, I was definitely on the Kansas State is going to cover this game. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The yeah. way that because the way they played offense, like they have no hope. That offensive line is terrible. I mean, absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I just don't know how this helps them continue to move forward as a program. Now, the game has to be played because of money, if it can, and but it's up in the air. It's, I mean. It's again, we're here, we're recording on a Tuesday, and as of 5.39 p.m., I honestly have no clue if football is going to be played in Norman this weekend. I think it's going to. Yeah. I think it's going to more this week than the Missouri State week, but as we've heard Chris Kleiman say, they are very, very close to not being able to play this game on Saturday. Yeah. Now... I mean, we can go on a few, like, tangents from from this little subject matter. You know, we can go in a few directions. And we talked about this um, before we started recording, Keegan. And we both kind of agreed that the likelihood of this kind of scenario happening, you know, it's not high. But, um, and as we get later on into the season, if the season is able to continue and be finished, I think contact tracing... COVID positives, I think that'll be less of a week to week problem just because of, you know, it's going to run through campus and then the players, it's going to run through the locker room. And then because of the three month rule, you know, then you won't have to worry about it as much if you're Lincoln Riley. So there's that. But I did want to talk about the um, hypothetical silly scenario that I have as a crazy OU fan of if this game gets postponed or has to be postponed. OU has two bye weeks remaining on their schedule. They've got a bye week after Texas, mm-hmm. correct? And they've got a bye week prior to Oklahoma State. Correct. Yes. So I guess the standard procedure is if you have to postpone a game, you just move it to your bye week. Mm-hmm. So you you know you just flip-flop them. What if... Kansas State has to be postponed, and then what if Iowa State has to be postponed? And then OU has to then shoot their wad with their remaining bye weeks. But then Oklahoma State's game has to be postponed. So you're telling me that, no, we're, we're going to give you what you asked for. We're going to give you OU Kansas State football fans, but sorry, there's going to be no Bedlam this year. There's going to be no Tylen Wallace going up against Trey Brown. There's going to be no... Uh, Spencer Rattler versus the vaunted OSU defense that held almighty Tulsa to Here we go. A, a bunch of points. Um, that that worries me because, like like you kind of alluded to, Keegan, like Kansas State has – they need to get their shit together. Um, a lot of this is not in their control in that, like, the 
contact tracing is going to affect everybody. This this is a disadvantage that everybody is having to deal with, and a lot of it is luck. But at the end of the day, this is a sport, and it's results-based. And right now, Kansas State has some terrible results both on and off the field, obviously losing their first game to Arkansas State, and then going back to the summer when they've had to basically not be able to practice. So they need to get their shit together because I don't want OU to have to postpone this game that they should, like you say, skull drag them in and then potentially miss out on a open week that could be used for a much higher profile game against a much higher profile opponent, if you know what I mean. For sure. For one, this is hypothetical, of course. I mean, I don't think either of the next two games will be both postponed. I think if it's anything, it'll be this Kansas State game. We get it done with. It gets pushed back to a further bye week date, and then everything's fine. But in the world of hypotheticals, and say both games get postponed. To your point and to your credit, yeah, that's a problem. Because you're talking about, from a Big 12 perspective, I mean, OU Texas is your, probably your biggest moneymaker, right? Yeah. Bedlam up there with one of your biggest moneymakers every year. Um, so those games need to be played. And if it's an Iowa State, and this kind of goes back to your, you know, one of your original points whenever we first started this podcast about, I'm tired of Oklahoma fans are tired of playing Iowa State. They're tired of playing Kansas State. They want to play better football teams. And you're kind of getting that opportunity taken away from you because a team can't uphold their end of the bargain, right? Yeah. In Kansas State and Iowa State. So with that being said, though, I don't want to go too far down this road because I just don't I don't see that happening. I don't, I, I, I don't see it either, but – it's unfortunately in play, and that that looming shadow, it's just one of the many stresses that, you know, not necessarily Lincoln Riley's worrying about, but you know, I know no one's going to shed a tear for, like, big-suited, big money, like Fox or ESPN. But, you know, like, <laughs> I, I, think, I think the Baylor-Houston game had already been reported as being postponed, and I had, I had some game on TV... And that game was still being, you know, hyped up on Fox. You know, so it's something that everybody from the highest level down to the lowest level has to worry about. Like, it's on the table. I don't think it's going to happen because I think the next point is, like I said earlier, as we get further along into the year and life has better acclimated to students being on campus because it's just the way that this whole thing has worked. Like, in terms of the virus, in terms of, of case spikes, hospitalization spikes, if there's a big holiday, two weeks later there's a big spike, but then afterwards it levels off to to an extent, not to the extent that we want, of course, but sure. like students have been on campus now for what four weeks. If they're on if they're on campus still for another month, I think cases are probably going to go down because less people are going to have to going to be sick. Now there is the flu, the actual flu. That will be in play later on in the year, so who knows? But um, I brought up to you, Keegan, the whole the whole Big Ten angle, and the SEC's kind of do, doing this as well. You know, we're all sitting here laughing at the Big Ten having no bye weeks, starting so late in the year, um, giving themselves like a five percent rule where you know five percent of your team has it or is out for contact tracing, can't play the game, and so you've essentially forfeited because they've no bye weeks, so they can't play it at a different day. Um, but because they're playing so much further into the calendar year, 
and their players are on campus longer with students, the likelihood that they have a week-to-week fear of these guys have been out, these guys are going to be out, it's going to be less likely the deeper you get into the year because it'll just run through them. Mm -hmm. Like Ed Orgeron said last week, oh, yeah, our whole team's basically had it, so we're good for three months. So I think as we get further along in the season, this wacky scenario I have is going to be less likely to happen. I Mainly this is just stemming from we had to sit through Missouri State, and then there's a bye week, and now we're all excited for football again, and it could potentially be taken away from us, so I'm just going to sit here and bitch and moan about it. For sure. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of truth to what you said about the Big Ten and, and the SEC. Now, I think we've seen from Penn State that they haven't had a ton of cases. I don't think a lot of those programs have. Obviously, Iowa has shut down at times. But, yeah, I mean, they also have, and this is, I think, part of this podcast to where I'll bring this up to where I just don't get – you see the Big Ten and the Pac-12, they're going to do this daily antigen testing, right, where it's going to be five days a week that these guys are getting tested – like that alleviates a lot of this contact tracing issue. Um, you see, the MLB has it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe NFL is doing something something similar. Uh, so, you know, it's definitely one of those things to where the Big Ten and the SEC, to a certain extent, are going to be a little more secure in the games that they played. But the Big Ten's also has a lot less margin for error. Yeah, the fact that they are starting so late. Now, the SEC probably did a right by waiting until September this week, September 26th, uh, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I can know my dates. But, yeah, I mean, I think they did a right to where all these students are coming back on campus. Say you herd immunity or not, they're, you know, letting this thing go through their locker rooms to a certain extent. Not, I don't think on purpose. Purpose, for sure. Like in a silly, like evil, like mustache twirling way. But I think, you know, life take care takes care of itself, simply put. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, they're going to have better benefits. It's going to be tough to gauge who's good and who's not. I mean, Kansas State could be – they could be a lot better in five weeks because they have all their starters back plus backups. Guys don't have to play a ton of snaps, all those things. So it's going to be tough just from ever, an everything perspective. It really is, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if any games do get canceled in the Big Ten because I think there are some extra things that don't pertain to the football programs, right? Like areas can't have a certain positivity rate, I believe. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be tough for them. It's going to be tough for everybody. Uh, it obviously, is currently tough for the Big 12 right now. I mean, as we've – I don't think Oklahoma's out of the woods. I mean, there's going to be guys that on the depth chart that aren't playing on Saturday. So – it's uh, it's gonna be interesting to watch. It's gonna be interesting to follow for sure, and you know we'll we'll see how the Big Ten does. I I truly don't think it's gonna go as well as they don't they think it is, but we'll see. They got the daily testing. They don't have to do you know I don't think they do as crazy circumstances as Oklahoma or anybody in the Big Twelve or SEC or ACC at this point. So yeah, they uh, I think they have that going for them. Again, like Lee Benson. Uh, News 9's Lee Benson, who was on the the previous Media Corner edition of Inside OU, was at the Sunday after Missouri State. He did a much better job of kind of outlining the uh, the intricacies of how silly the contact tracing guidelines are. You know, now that we're six, seven months into a pandemic of a, vi- of a virus that we 
still don't really know that much about in terms of like the long-term stuff, but in terms of the effectiveness of how this virus is able to be transferred, we know a lot more than we did back in March. I think that that's very fair to say at this point. And so some of these guidelines that were put in place in March for a virus that we had zero understanding of how it transfers. Um, I mean, I keep going back to the Utah jazz game that got canceled in Oklahoma city. I didn't go into the arena because I was afraid that that thing was like a biological bomb. Like everybody in that arena was going to get sick because mm-hmm. that, that was the fullest extent of the understanding that I had of it. And of course, over time I learned, okay, no, it doesn't transfer like a movie chemical agents <laughs> or something like that, thankfully. Um, but I, I just hate Keegan that, I don't like to be a stereotypical college football fan and that I'm just like, just go out there and play football. I try my best to have some logic, some empathy, especially for the players. It's a blood sport. Um, we all know like they probably should be, they need to be paid. Um, but I, I just hate that my brain is starting to say they need to adapt these damn contact tracing guidelines because it's, it's unrealistic to play football when you can't bubble because you've got 20,000 other kids on campus that don't have to listen to any rules, that they can just YOLO all they want. And we've already talked about that. Do that if you want to, but, I mean, you got to have some personal responsibility. You absolutely do. And this contact tracing deal, as I said before we came on, I don't know enough about it to make a full you know, comment or statement on it. I just don't understand, like... It is 10 to 14 days. I know the incubation period and all that with COVID-19. It's like, but, I mean, if you test negative on, you know, six days after, yeah, 10 days after, even 10, like, I don't think there's any need to keep them. And that's just my personal opinion. I don't know. I don't know the medical side of this and why yeah. um, the contact tracing is what it is. I just know that, you know, this is, I think, to my point I said earlier, if they're less expensive, these antigen tests are, from what I understand, why we're not just doing this across the board at this point? It would alleviate a lot of issues with this contact tracing, I think, personally. So, it's, uh, I mean, you'd be, you'd be able to find out pretty quickly on a Monday who has it, who doesn't. You know, do whatever you need to do there. Um, from what I understand, it's a lot of roommates that are having these issues, like, guys are testing positive and then their roommates are getting put in quarantine for 14 days. Yeah. You know? So that's part of it as well. So yeah, the contact tracing thing, it just, I guess I just don't know enough information about it to really, it just is, it's, I know George Stoya from, you know, our old friend, George Stoya. Yeah. He, uh, you know, wrote a good article on it. I probably should have read it, but well, I mean, reading's hard. I mean, I can barely do it myself. <laughs> But they definitely, I mean, it's affecting the sport. It's affecting the product. I know a health crisis is a little more important than that. But in the realm of everything, I just don't feel, I feel if it's a, it's a little extreme to the point to where, you know, a guy's missing, like a player's missing for 28 days in fall camp because, yep. of, cor- because of contact tracing. I was talking to uh, Ryan Chapman over the weekend kind of about this where I get that because you brought up the roommate thing I get that the NCAA rule is like your athletic dorm has to technically be what is it 51 49 percent non-athlete to athlete ratio 
this should have been an example where the NCAA just steps in and says, okay, we want football because we want the money. Well, in order to do that, some changes need to be made, like short-term stuff. And I think an easy short-term change could have been, we're going to relax that rule for this season. So you can at least house your players in one building without a bunch of students in there that, again, don't have to follow Lincoln Riley's rules. Now, who knows? Maybe the Headington Hall residents are a little bit uh, more inclined to follow the rules because they are around football players and you know they're smart they're in college they want to watch college football on saturdays probably so they're like yeah i'm not going to go to logie's this weekend or yeah i'm not going to go to that gathering of 150 people in close quarters um i feel like that's something that could have been done but uh this is the ncaa we're talking about i mean this whole thing's silly and look we want to talk about football too so keegan unless you had anything else to add no i mean let's just get right into uh some actual football stuff because I sat and watched Lincoln Riley's press conference today that you were a part of. And um, I must say this was one of the more not entertaining, but informative Lincoln Riley pressers that I've uh, ever really experienced because we learned that Jaden Hazelwood or that Lincoln Riley said, I think his quote was, we fully expect Jaden Hazelwood to be, uh, back with the team at, uh, later on this year. We absolutely expect that he'll be available to play for at, us at some point this year. Okay, yeah. So, and like I told you before we went on, unless it went way over my head that um, he was expected to come back, because I think I even said on this podcast, yeah, Jaden Hazel is not playing again this year because when the report is torn ACL and it happens in the summer, you just expect, okay, like I know the science is much better now with torn ACLs. It's not like it was back in the day, but my brain still goes, they're just not going to play the following football season. So uh, maybe it went over my head. If it did, I apologize, and I apologize for saying something completely wrong on the podcast, but um, when Lincoln said that, I was kind of like, oh, okay, like he just said it so matter-of-factly, that's kind of shocking. So that happened. Uh, he went into a little bit more, not intricate detail, but he went into some, kind of expanded on the whole suspension thing that's uh, kind of going on. And more so to the effect of, do you get any daily updates or weekly updates from the NCAA on like the status of the case? Um, when the players are going to be available, do you expect to hear something like, hey, we're going to have our decision at this point in the year? Lincoln kind of dove into that as well. And um, Marvin Mims is fast. So we learned a lot at this press conference. Oh, that <laughs> last part. I don't know if you saw my tweet during the press conference after it was asked. And this isn't even one. I don't even need to name the name. Everybody could probably figure out who asked it. But, I mean, honestly, why? That's Who throws a shoe? Honestly. They just... Yes, he's fast. Like, why? I, I sure didn't get to ask. This is why this bothers me, I guess. I didn't get to ask a question at this press conference today because, A, he did and he did ask about Jaden Hazelwood, so credit there for him. But throwing Marvin Mims in there about his speed, like, no, no shit, he's fast. Like, who cares about his time 40? Like, what are we doing? But to the press conference... I did think it was interesting. You know, he kind of went unhinged there a couple times talking about the NCAA. Um, you know, let's 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 talk about that because I thought that was the most interesting part. Was it Bill Haston that asked it from the Tulsa yes. World? 
because you know credit to Bill, he asked a really good question because Lincoln Riley, because I was watching it on the Sooner Sports app on my TV, and so all you're seeing is just you know whenever you see a clip of Lincoln Riley talking in his press conference, that's the only angle you see. So you constantly see him. It doesn't cut to you guys when you ask questions like a Zoom call. You just see Lincoln Riley the entire time. And he gets asked the question, and Lincoln kind of like looks up at the ceiling for a few seconds and says, like, it's a good question, and I respect the question. And then he kind of looked down, and then he looked back up into the ceiling for about a good eight seconds, which in press conference time, when you're not saying anything, is a fucking eternity. And Lincoln It was just, awkward. He looked like someone that was like, I can't speak about this because... I." He he acts like it's an ongoing issue, like it's in a legal process, but he made it apparent that there is no appeal here. So it's not but it's the NCAA we're talking about. It's it's a it's about suspensions and he's not come come out and outright said it was marijuana, but he's heavily alluded to the fact that it is because of a failed drug test due to marijuana. Mm-hmm. So he, he just looked like a guy that was like, What can I say? What will I not get in trouble for? It's like a coach in the NBA that is wanting to complain about officiating but not wanting to get fined. So you have to be very careful with what you say. And then Haston kind of like cut back in and interjected and tried to further ask a deeper question. Basically to just as a life raft to Lincoln like, I'm sorry I threw you out there. And uh, Lincoln kind of just, he kind of went all in on it today. This is, I think, the money quote here is he says... The unfortunate matter is you could go have a first positive test at just about any NCAA school in the country and you're going to get counseling and you're going to get all the support that you need at so many of these great schools. And right now studies are showing that's how you win. And then he said in terms of these guys being available for the Texas game, he said, no, I don't think game wise as much for that. I think it's bigger than that. I think this is a big policy. And listen, it's something that should have been changed a long time ago. The scourge of marijuana. <laughs> it's one of those things to where credit Lincoln for being open about that. And then he went off on the uh, NCAA recruiting dead period thing today, which I thought was interesting that he kind of came unhinged as well. But in terms of the NCAA and their rulings and this and that, I mean, it's, I guess what I'm saying is, is that it was, it's a rule. It's in place. It they, has to be. They broke it. Yes, so. it has to be enforced. And they're held accountable. So, But as Lincoln said, if this is something that shows the NCAA that this really does need to be changed, then it may be good for these three guys that they are you know, fulfilling their whole suspensions, and then maybe nobody else has to go through it again. And I think that's what Lincoln Riley was really saying today. Now, to the point of I'm not saying an athlete should be smoking weed Going into a game. Going into a game. I mean, during probably during the season, all those things. I'm not, but I'm not going to sit here and say that they shouldn't. You know that you know that's their choice. Now, yeah. if you get popped for a drug test that you know that's coming, you probably should be punished for that. That's what's happening right now. But in the realm of the world in 2020, it like he said, it's an archaic rule. It it shouldn't be as stingent as it is. Now, if you're you know. I don't want to throw anybody on the bus here, so I'm not. But if you're a player that fails, if you're a pothead, if you're a player that fails, you know, three, four drug tests in a row, and you're, at, you know, THC level is extremely high, like you probably, sh- you probably should get more, a little more counseling, as what Lincoln said, and more support in terms of figuring it out. Like you, you, 
how I say this. I didn't play smart sports. Sports. That, that was bad. <laughs> that was awesome. I didn't play. It's because you've been smoking the ganja. <laughs> I didn't play and and smoke weed. Like I just didn't. That was you know drawing the line in the sand for me. Like I just wasn't going to do it. And so I don't. I think you can make it throughout your career. Now I know it's healthier for you than some of these pain medicine that they're giving these players and oh, giving no. these professional players, yeah. and like not even close that it's healthier for you. But back to Oklahoma for a sec, I do think it was interesting in the fact that Lincoln did kind of come out and finally say it. It's taken them, let's go through this, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September. Nine months for Lincoln to really talk about what's going on. And for six of those months, he had nothing but time to talk about it. Absolutely. just didn't, you know, just didn't do it. But I guess we should have asked a better question about it instead of just asking him what's going on. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of comes from this. But as what we found out today, it doesn't sound like any reduced games are being added, you know, in terms of suspension. Now, if that does happen, that means that these players will probably be able to play in the Texas game. I think some people would think there is a conspiracy there against Texas, but... The game's played in Texas. They can go piss up a rope. <laughs> Neutral sight my ass. Anyway. No, of course, we're talking about Ramondre Stevenson, Ronnie Perkins, um, uh, Trajan Bridges. Um, shame on us for not mentioning it for those that have been you know, not paying attention to it. But at this point, we all know who the suspended players are. But just for reference, it's those three. Uh, it's the same three. But, yeah, like, real quick, though, is it a breath of fresh air with Lincoln Riley being – because when you remember the Stoops era, I'm not going to talk about Bob Stoops, but in terms of – we always get – like, you'll always see, like, randomly, like a, a Nick Saban clip from his press conference where he's talking about not necessarily, like, the game coming up that week or his team – like he gets on these philosophical rants of like how to do your job, what what what's expected of you at Alabama and how that applies to your life after football. You know, so you can kind of come away with like Nick Saban isn't just talking about his football players, he's talking about his players as human beings, so you can apply it to a lot of other things. And so it kind of becomes like a cool little motivational clip or a cool little hype video. And so Saban's kind of had this um this reputation of being like a Greg Popovich type or a Steve Kerr type where they don't always just talk about their sport. They talk about life in general. Bob Stoops, I I don't really recall a lot of press conferences where he went off on life tangents. And that's just because he's just more of a guarded personality as he is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lincoln Riley is a little bit more open and he's talked about, you know, the marijuana thing. He's talked about just recruiting philosophy. Um, he just seems like a, a, a more of a personality that's willing to talk about bigger things other than just the OU Kansas State game on Saturday or Spencer Rattler's pocket awareness. You know, like just from a, a fan standpoint, I would imagine from a media standpoint, it's a breath of fresh air just because like, oh, I, I didn't go into this press conference thinking I would have a story to write about, but that's like really interesting. And then it's like stuff that you can write about later or ask him about later. For sure. He's been different than Bob. From what I understand, what Bob was like during press conferences, but especially on the recruiting trail. <laughs> but he still, it's very tough to get some things out of him. Um, you know, he's been very cordial with us. 
which is a which is a good thing. And then you talk about, you know, him um, fibbing a lot. I think that's the word I said the last time. But yeah, I mean, whenever you talk about a, something that pertains to him and an issue that he feels strongly about, he has absolutely zero f's about speaking his mind, hmm. which also is kind of crazy. Whenever you talk about his age and the fact that Lincoln at thirty five or thirty six now, I think. Um, he's. I think six, seven years older than me. So I'm about <laughs> crazy. to crazy. Yeah, I know. It, trust me, it makes me feel weird. I'm about to turn thirty in my two and a half weeks. He's thirty seven. Yeah. At thirty seven years old, he has that much weight in the college football world. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. hmm So he feels, you know, free to speak his mind and it's been good to hear him do that. And I think a lot of the social issues and a lot then the pandemic and all those things have maybe brought that out a little bit more. I mean, when you go back to that June 1st is ridiculous thing. I mean, even before then you get started with the pandemic, he's been, you know, really outspoken about a lot of things. So credit to him in that regard. It yeah. has been nice to hear. In a good way outspoken because there, there was another coach in state that was outspoken early on too. For sure. Yeah. With the and headaches. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, for sure it's going to be, you know, one of those things that they're going to have to, you know, figure out what, you know, NCAA stuff in terms of suspensions. I mean, haven't heard about Chris Murray's appeal yet uh, <laughs> for transfer. So it's, uh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting next couple, three weeks. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, not to get on an historical tangent, but you know, I do like that subject, but there is, some historical precedent for the OU football coach to just be a little bit more than just football coach. I mean, Bud Wilkinson, of course, was during his time was really big on educating not just his fan base, but the masses at large of the sport of football and how important it can be as a tool to teach young kids like life lessons to stay in shape. You know, Bud Wilkinson started the coaches show that every coach across the country does every Sunday like he was the first one to do it and it was a nationally broadcast show and it helped uh, grow popularity for college football and football overall you know just from that generation of fans and players and then Barry Switzer um, growing up in Norman I'd always heard that Norman way back in the day was a unfortunately a sundown town just google sundown town or if you've watched Lovecraft Country you know very well what it is after the first two episodes it's not good, uh, but Barry Switzer was—I don't—I don't—I don't know how influential he was. But as the football coach at the University of Oklahoma, you know, you—you've got a—you uh, have the ability to just basically drop your nuts on the table and get get your point across. Um, Switzer was a, a influential in taking that away from Norman and it not being a sundown town, um, and then of course trying to educate people on the importance of recruiting African-American players. You know, he grew up poor, a bootlegger's boy, and was uh, was not scared of black people. <laughs> you know, he was a little, sure. bit, a little bit more comfortable around black families than your typical Southern coach at the time. So that's why OU has a great history of uh, great players, great black players, well before, you know, programs in the region integrated. Um so I, I've I've appreciated that about Lincoln Riley because, like I said, like there's there's kind of a historical precedent of OU coaches not being stupidly outspoken, but just free thinking mm-hmm. and willing to share their opinions 
you know, not overstepping their boundaries because he is a football coach, but he does have the ears of a lot of people. And I think that it's important to use that. And it, he's been using that platform, I think, perfectly this offseason. Now, is there a couple times that I, you know, <laughs> that I've been like, why? <laughs> uh, but uh, he, he does a good job. He's protect, he protects his players like crazy. Uh, he speaks his mind whenever he needs to. He speaks when he's spoken to. I think that's extremely important. I think that's a trait that Nick Saban has. Oh, yeah. And that, you know, that he's not going to say anything whenever he doesn't have to. And listens when he needs to for sure. and um, shares his opinion when it's warranted. Like Dabo Sweeney doesn't get that. <laughs> Tom Herman doesn't get that. Uh, uh, and sometimes it can be good. Because, Ryan like, Day gets it, though. Sometimes it can be good. Like Mike Leach shares his opinion. And thankfully, it's never a terrible thing unless you're Texas Tech. And it's just appalling what he says. I mean, what did he say earlier today? Like, what did he say like the other day? Oh, about LSU. It's like, yeah, they've lost a lot of players. My hope is that they, um, their players that they're playing this year aren't as good yeah. as the players that left. But, but I'm sure they are. Uh, but I'm sure intellectually they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a, I mean, complete troll. Yeah, I love it. He, I mean, it's more like Mike Leach. The more Mike Leach we get, the better. And the SEC doesn't deserve that. <laughs> I know. It's like when Spurrier called, um, I think Spurrier called Florida State back in the 90s when Florida State was a juggernaut free shoes university. <laughs> I did not know that. Or, um, oh, man, what what did Spurrier say about Tennessee when the library burnt down? Oh, I, like, bring up a new topic, Keegan, because I got I to gotta find that. Jaden Hazelwood, Anton Harris, like it's tweet season. So it is tweet apparently season. Apparently, that was Anton, interesting. Yeah, Anton Harrison is like tweeted out game week, but yes, pick us. So. Jaden Hazelwood. First off, I, I think it's interesting. We are. I know we mentioned it a little bit. I don't see a reason why he needs to play unless Oklahoma's in a true national championship run, and this year it's going to be tough to gauge if they are, if they're not, considering what else is happening in college football. Um, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like Oklahoma's going to get at least three guys back. Uh, Gabe Burkich, if you want to trust his tweets, he will also be back. Well, I hope he sets um, his alarm this time for sure. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how many guys are returning. Uh, I'm still not sold on Jane Hazelwood playing in 2020. Um, I don't really see a reason for him to with Trenton Bridges coming back mid season, but it would be a boost nevertheless. And if Oklahoma's undefeated and they really feel like they can win a national championship this year, then all for him. I mean, if he wants to play, let him play. Yeah. And um, I know you're looking out for the future of him. He's going to be back in 2021. As a sophomore. <laughs> True. I mean, he's gone after, what, what he's if, gone after next what year. What if no not what, only, but. like, it doesn't count as eligibility, but the NFL is like, yeah, but we're still going to count you as, like, we're not going to count that year in some weird way. It's like, yay, but not good for him, but yay for me. Um, real quick, I found the quote. It was about Auburn, not Tennessee, so excuse me, but um, there was a fire a handful of years ago, and Spurrier, I guess, was asked about it, or he mentioned it in a press conference, and he says, or he said, the real tragedy was that 15 of those books hadn't been colored yet. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> I, I like, I like, I like uh, tastefully outspoken coaches like that, too. Mike Gunny's, a, Mike Gunny's a fool, but like that's that's good time. That's good natured. Like I don't like that school. 
and I want to go beat him. I wish I could have been around more when Spurrier <laughs> was doing his thing. I, no, I'm still I still have the take that um, I appreciate Lee Corso, but to be honest, and I think I can't remember if it was you, Keegan, or somebody else that we both follow on Twitter said, "Man, like the big noon kickoff show on Fox." is much better than college it game day. Sure I still like muscle memory will put on college game day first. And then it just takes me like a segment or two of hoping to God Lee Corso doesn't say not because I think he would say it, but just because he's old and because it's just hard to watch. Mm-hmm. It, it wouldn't really even be college game day without Lee Corso. It, it would seem odd because even without Chris Fowler, and Reese Davis in there, it seems it doesn't seem like the college game day I grew up with, but I still have the take that they just need to have Lee Corso retire and then just hire Steve Spurrier. That would be a perfect transition. Why not Pat McAfee? Pat McAfee would work, but Pat McAfee would he, be too, electric. He's too bro. No, you need you need aged like former coach, and Steve Spurrier perfectly fits that that bill, and he's outspoken, and he's and he's witty, like I just showed you. And he's been around the block enough. Like he knows, he obviously knows the sport. He knows what it takes. I think he could be a very good. Uh, I think it could be very good. See, you're gonna. You may not understand this, but people that are listening will. Like special teams players, like Pat McAfee, and you look at Austin Seibert from Oklahoma. They're exactly like bullpen pitchers. Yeah. They are weird. But Pat McAfee's awesome. I'd be all for. Pat McAfee on College Game Day, and to what you said, it's going to be tough for me to watch College Game Day. I know the historical side of it, but yeah, they do such a good job on the Fox Big New Kickoff. Yeah, and I I like the personalities that they have. Like Matt Liner, really, you know, had to grow on me for some obvious reasons. Um, I actually met M- Matt Liner in person at my first big, like the, my first and only Big Twelve Media Day that I went to. And I straight up told him, like, you made, like, 13-year-old me cry, you stupid motherfucker. I'm just kidding. But I was like, yeah, you you kicked my team's ass, and you kept kicking it, and you wouldn't stop kicking it. And he was like, oh, dude, my bad. But I had to, you know. And so Matt mm-hmm. Liner, Matt Liner's cool in my book. But, uh, yeah, they Fox does, does a great job. Like, I like their HD quality better than ESPN's. I love Kirk Herbstreet still. Mm-hmm. I like Chris Fowler when he's on the call with Kirk Herbstreet. I miss Brent Musburger. I miss Brad Nessler. I hate that he just does only SEC games. I think he has like probably the the best college football voice in the game still. Mm-hmm. I miss that on Saturdays. But uh, I think it's now like it's I'm full on Joel Klatt. I've been Joel Klatt just like everybody else in this part of the country for the last few seasons. But, yeah, what, what Fox has brought to the table is – very very good it's not it's not gimmicky by any means no it's not and they do a really good job now urban meyer does get some time getting used to you can tell he's arrogant and but i mean he's a really good football coach he has a reason to be that way and they mess with him a lot i it's funny to see those the younger guys mess with him brady quinn surprisingly good he's like their dan orlovsky he like Oh, it says, I'm trying to say this nicely. He has a very punchable face, Brady Quinn does. Oh, yeah, he, he looks rather douchey. And he was a Notre Dame quarterback, so that doesn't help his cause. No. So it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how well they do against them. I know they've you know went to another hour last season, 
because they competed well against College Game Day. And I think, you know, as long, honestly, as long as Lee Corso and Desmond Howard, to a certain extent, are still on College Game Day, fuck, the big new kickoff's going to k- keep kicking their ass. I mean, they, I think they will. Yeah, awkwardly pivoting back to OU football. I guess with Kansas State, like, this is the pregame kind of edition of Inside OU. I mean, it, 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 it kind of just speaks for itself. It's a 28-point line right now. It's going to be in somewhere, if the game is played, 28-31, to 31, I think. And OU should absolutely cover. And what I brought up to you, Keegan, uh, before we started recording was, like, don't think, like, if you're an OU fan, that you still can't learn anything about a football team when you're playing a bad team like Missouri State or Kansas State. Because there are still tests that you have to pass. And a test that OU has had trouble with even last year when the defense made a ton of improvements, and one of them being consistency. But one of the problems overall, Keegan, wasn't their inability to create turnovers. It wasn't their inability to maybe pressure the quarterback consistently. It was just you're playing a lesser opponent. You're playing a lesser program. You're playing players that are not as talented as you are if you're OU. You need to make it appear that way. Every once in a while, you're going to have a bad day. Every once in a while, um, you're going to play an opponent that just everything clicks for them. You cannot allow that to bleed into a half or three quarters or the entire game. You cannot allow that to bleed into the score where OU wins a game against, you know, a lesser opponent, 48-41 or something like that. So this is a test for not just Spencer Rattler in the offense, but for the defense. You're playing a terrible offensive line. OU's defensive line, we know there are deficiencies there, whether it's depth or just, you know, the physical makeup of the defensive line there are deficiencies there but you're more talented than they are go play like it don't let them have any type of success because they really shouldn't according to what you've been what you've seen on film for sure and as you said there are things that you can learn in this game and I I noted it before we came on here I don't think Kansas State's secondary played as bad as what Jonathan Adams made them out to be like this is uh, AJ Parker's a really good corner a guy from Tulsa area, believe it or not, <laughs> uh, that has played really well for Kansas State. And that's going to be a good test, I think, for these, these wide receivers to go up against a guy like that. That's a really good cover corner. Oklahoma's not going to have a bunch of size advantage you know, on him like Jonathan Adams. Or I, I believe I'm saying – I believe that's his name. Uh, I'm going to make sure, make sure this Jonathan is Jonathan right. Adams? Yes. I from, believe so. From Arkansas State. I feel like I'm saying this right. Yes, Jonathan Adams. But – it's uh yeah I mean I think their defense is going to be better than what they saw obviously saw from Missouri State I think it's going to be better than what you see from some of the Big Twelve this year, but Brady, I'm listening I'm just looking yeah, at my phone. I know you are <laughs> one and a half turnovers. Well, you can't get half a turnover, Keegan. Over under. <laughs> um, what would you want to see? I'm inclined to say under just because. But what what would you want? Uh, you, Oklahoma's going. What up would against, the expectation be? The expectation. If I'm Alex Grinch, yes, over. The expectation should always be over when you're playing like uh, an opponent like this. Yeah, they should create so many opportunities to get turnovers based off rushing the passer, based off guys being able to get in the backfield. Um, it's there's going to be a lot of opportunities, you know. And yeah. Uh, it's I think that's really where more of that question comes from. I think Perry on Winfrey could get two and a half, three sacks this week. Nick Benito may it may get crazy where he gets two sacks 
mean, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for these guys, and they're going to have to play well. If this is a game that, if you want to talk about a statement being made defensively, they're going to be bad offensively. Kansas State is very – they are not very good. Skylar Thompson, I know, looked like an NFL quarterback against Oklahoma last year, but that, for some reason, tends to happen to a bunch of different players whenever they play Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, but he's going to give them opportunities to pick off passes. This offensive line is going to give those defensive line opportunities to get to the quarterback and force turnovers. Those things need – you need to see that this week. If you want a, be, a statement being made, get a couple turnovers – the offense needs to score 50 plus and you give up, you know, in the realm of 17 points or under. And that's kind of my baseline hanging in this weekend. It's probably going to be close to what my baseline is for Iowa state. Cause Brock Purdy looked like absolute dog. You he looked what. like Dick. Yeah. He looked awful. And against, I'm not to the West Virginia game yet, but I've watched Iowa state and I've watched Texas. Now I have some interesting thoughts there, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, you head into this game, obviously, you know, asterisk right now if it's played, but Oklahoma should have a lot of success on Saturday. This should not be a team that, but like last year heading into it to where I was a little concerned with how they played offense, with how good their defense was, that Oklahoma could be running into a problem. Now, CeeDee Lamb doing what he did against them, as well as Charleston Rambo, kind of alleviated some of those issues, but this is a game where Oklahoma needs to absolutely take it to them. They, If you want to make a statement whenever you don't really have a lot of opportunities to in 2020, this is one of those games. Nationally televised, Kansas State's not very good, but you could put a lot of good stuff on tape. You can make not make any mental mistakes. They didn't make many mental mistakes against Missouri State. I've noted a couple offensive plays that I thought they definitely needed that definitely needs to be improved. Yeah, but – this is this is one of those games to where they need to be crisp, they need to be clean. I know they're bringing a bunch of guys back, but for the most part, a lot of the starters are playing. They played, you know, and especially defensively Saturday or two week two Saturdays ago. So, they they need to be crisp, they need to be clean, force a couple turnovers, get to the quarterback, and if you do those things and get out of it injury free, it's a successful week for Oklahoma. Yep. You help yourself out from a national perspective still. And all things kind of the dominoes start then from the Kansas State game until the final regular season game of the year. They start falling in your direction. You need to put up a good performance, a really good performance on Saturday. Yeah. And I think going all the way back to your original you know, question to me, like turnover and a half, like, yes, Alex Grinch has the expectation that you need to have more than that. Me as a fan or just, I mean, I would, I mean, you as a media member, would you say like what's going to happen under or over? Do you expect more than that? Over, way over. You expect more. I ex- okay. I ex- I expect them not because of what I've seen on tape and how good they are, but this is a game where they if you're you want to get to twenty six turnovers, Brady, you get two three this game. Yeah, and they've they're already they are already two behind. Well, see, unfortunately, like I have no reason to expect more than a turnover and a half. Sure. I have no reason really to expect a turnover. Like, oh, you could still play a great defensive game, and we could still kind of be like last year where we had to talk ourselves into, well, you know, stopping them on fourth down is essentially a turnover, you know, and you also just get the ball where it was. So, you know, if they throw a 30-yard pass and it gets intercepted, it's like a punt. So, you know, we found ourselves kind of talking, you know, justifying OU's inability to create turnovers. 
Um, and I know we already kind of talked about it after, you know, after the Missouri state on those few podcasts, but you know, it goes back to something like Trey Brown, like, you know, watching the Missouri state game now, like three times, because I've had nothing else to do OU football wise in the last week. I watched the Missouri state game on YouTube and then my girlfriend came over. And so I had to turn it off because, you know, she doesn't really care about college football. So I turned it off. I just turned my TV off. But YouTube still plays when the TV's off because it's on my fire stick. And like an hour later, she left and I turned my TV back on and it had cycled through the Missouri State game and then unfortunately went to the fucking Peach Bowl. <laughs> and the play that came on, um, it was 14-7 LSU. And this is the play where it really went downhill for OU. Kenneth Murray popping his head. Yeah, it was that play. Like, it was third and 10. Joe Burrow's getting pressured out of the pocket, and he's running for his life. Kenneth Murray, like, chases after him, and then his hamstring pops. And so Kenneth Murray falls, and it allows Joe Burrow a split second longer to set his feet. And then there's throw this the biggest bull pass up into the air, falling out of bounds to an LSU receiver with Trey Brown right around him in position. But Trey Brown doesn't turn his head because he's a Mike Stoops recruit and a Kenny Cook's coach player, or Kerry Cook's coach player, excuse me. And, it, yeah, that 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 happened. The, the boom just happened. The LSU player just catches a jackpot pass, and Trey Brown just does nothing to it. And I, I was like, oh, yeah, because it happened right after I watched the Missouri State game and saw a few mistakes from Trey Brown. I'm just like, oh, God, like it's – it's Missouri State. It's early on. He can still make a jump, but my God, I just don't expect it. And it, going back to the original question, I don't expect more turnovers. I expect a good defensive game, but I don't know if that means more turnovers. To his credit, I do want to say this. Trey Brown, outside of that one play, and I don't remember him being that much of an issue. I focused a lot more on Kenneth Murray popping his hammy, and that play should have been made if that doesn't happen. I thought Trey Brown played pretty good in the Peach Bowl. But – to the point of the Missouri State game, Brady, you hear a lot of these things. Trey Brown's a different player. Trey Brown's this. Trey Brown's that. He's got to get better. I mean, that's just really at the end of the day, that's really all you can say. He just has to get better. There were times in the Missouri State game to where a receiver did beat him or he didn't have as good of coverage as what he should have done, and he has to be better. And if Oklahoma wants to be the team they, that they think they can be, he's going to have to take a major step up. I think he is the absolute key to OU uh, becoming a turnover-prone defense. Absolutely. Because, um, yes, I think you start from the bottom up. You get a pass rush. You get any type of pressure on a quarterback and make him uncomfortable. Even if you don't get there, you probably force the play to go quicker than they want it to, and that could lead to a poor throw. could lead to an incomplete pass. Like You work your way from the bottom up. But Trey Brown at this point, I don't think is going to be a shutdown corner. No. But what he's going to be is a cornerback that's going to get a lot of opportunities to show off that athleticism that, that athleticism that we always hear about. And if he could just simply make plays on the ball, he's going to have opportunity after opportunity to get an interception, to get a pass, to get a pass breakup, or to tip a ball for a safety to pick off. Like he is the, I think he is the absolute key to OU becoming a turnover defense and. I just I didn't see it against Missouri State. He had an opportunity, and Alex Grinch cussed up a storm because he dropped that pick, and the camera panned over to Alex Grinch, and he's just like, "God damn it, mm-hmm. catch the ball!" Like he, I'm sure he didn't get mad at Woody Washington not picking that ball off because the receiver made a play on the like it was a sure. tough contested catch. Those happen. 
but you at least made a play. Sure. Brian Asamoah broke uh, broke heavy onto a onto a receiver. He read the play correctly, and it was going to be a tough catch at the end of the day. He wasn't able to make it. I'm sure Alex Grinch isn't mad at that, but he was mad at the Trey Brown miscatch for a reason. He has, and he should have been. Um, you know, really, there was only one bad shining light on the defense. It, it kind of was Trey Brown just not playing to the standard that we thought he would play from the defense on Saturday or from that Missouri State game. Heading into Kansas State, you know, he's going to get opportunities. And I know I said it a second ago, Skylar Thompson's going to throw someone a pass in this game. It could be tough. It could be a contested interception. It could be right to their hands. Who knows? But it's going to happen. There's going to be at least one. And someone's going to need to make a play. And if it's Trey Brown, Trey Brown needs to make a play. If it's, you know, another guy in that secondary, uh, there's going to be opportunities for them this week in this game. It sounds like, you know, and I want to say this, Trey Brown's probably a better zone corner at this point than he is a man, than just straight up getting in your face and playing man-to-man. I agree. Um, I think his athleticism could really shine there. I thought it did in the Peach Bowl um, against LSU. I thought it did really at the end of the year. Last year, I know Ray Zeno found an open man down the field. Um, due to busted coverage, but and ba- against Baylor, but they, you know, it's it's just it's one of those things. He you know he has to be better. I mean, plain and simple. And I think he probably knows that. Uh, I think Alex Grinch knows that. But really, what sucks for Trey Brown is that in the realm of his career at Oklahoma, and I know I'm not trying to make excuses for him, there really hasn't been anybody behind him to push him. And there's really not anybody behind him this year to push him. You got Jaden Davis. You got who else? Jo- Joshua Eden. Guys K- who probably aren't Kendall, ready for the Kend- spotlight. K- Kendall Dennis. Both guys played um, against Missouri State. I would expect them to play more going forward. But, yeah, I mean, it's you get better whenever there's better competition behind you. I mean, look at Patrick Fields. Yeah, you have no other choice. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Fields and Delaren Turner-Yale have – Guys breathing down their necks, being wanting to play. Yeah. And, you know, they've played a lot better. Patrick Fields, I'm trying to say this as unbiased as possible. Um, Great, great guy. I I think that's the first thing to say about him. But overall, man, he looks a a lot better playing. He looks more comfortable. He looks more more physically built. DeLaren Turner Yell, obviously, clearly healthy from his collarbone injury um, that – Speaking of Lincoln Riley, said that he was still day to day as of the day before the Peach Bowl. Wow, great anecdote here. So I go up to Delaren Turner Yell at the Peach Bowl Media Day. I'm just going to paint this picture. You go into the College Football Hall of Fame, they have that big open grass area. Everybody's seen it. At the back end of it was where the coach was at. Um, you had a huge, you know, thing marking them off to where how far away we needed to stand for broadcast and all that. Delaren Turner Yell is the first guy on Lincoln Riley's left. Yeah. Okay. So he's standing, r- sitting down right next to him. I go, Delaren, I go, hey, how's it going? The, or, you know, basically short talk. Now, are you, are you going to, are you available to play Saturday? He goes, uh, you're going to have to ask Coach Riley about that. Go over to the left. Oh, sorry. Delaren Turner yells in a sling while I ask him this question. So I just go, okay. And I get over there, wait. I go, Lincoln, is there any update on, on Delaren Turner yell for the game on Saturday? And he goes, yeah, no, no update. He's, you know, been day-to-day all week, and we'll see how he is Saturday. And I literally look over at DeLaren, and he's laughing at what Lincoln's answer was. <laughs> so, um, 
I do, do I do do some fun things on the beat whenever I have a chance. So, but I think I, I mean technically Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey are day to day. It's just going to be a lot of days before they're for done, sure. they're able to play football. For sure, <laughs> for sure. The, so I think they played better, and you're, you you know you head into this game, and you know you talk about guys you want to see better. And I know we'll kind of do maybe one more little preview show again on Thursday, and maybe wait for some things then. But uh, Deshaun White, it's not up or shut up time. I mean, David Aguayo looks ready. Yep, 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 yep. yep. And yep. they, he's got to be, he's got to play more mean. He's got to make more plays. He's got to play like he looks. For sure. Kind of the Kenneth Murray thing as a freshman and as a sophomore. It's like, man, you look a certain way, you don't consistently play like it. For we sure. know it's there. For sure. But I, I'd say like one quick thing about Trey Brown before we either go further or finish this one off. But look. I take make no mistake. I take this job seriously now. Like my OU footballness is less buttoned up than my Thunder coverage, of course, because it's a different angle that I do. But I take the job seriously. I don't take myself seriously as much as you would probably expect with my silly takes that I have. If Trey Brown has a great day, I'm not going to be quiet about it. I will acknowledge the fact that, like, hey, he's he's made improvements. And, look, I'm an OU fan. I want him. I'm rooting for him. But when you ask me questions about turnovers or what do you expect, I'm just like, well, after what I've seen, like, there's no reason for me to expect other than just a miracle. And Trey Brown has the opportunity to take a step against a – outclass Kansas State team on Saturday. We just need to see it. But, um, I mean, do you want to get in the linebackers? you want to say that for Thursday? What do you want to do? Yeah, I mean, I think there's some stuff for, you know, game planning from Oklahoma's perspective that is going to be interesting, especially offensively, because if White Huber is really good, you know, he's a guy that's underrated nationally. He's probably going to be one of the more underrated guys in this conference. I'm not saying he's as dominant as what James Lynch and those guys were for Baylor a year ago on the long that offensive line, but he's really good. So it's gonna be interesting to see how Oklahoma attacks that with maybe a true sounds like a true freshman left tackle out there and Anton Harrison. I think all eyes are gonna be on him this week in terms of the offense. So it's uh it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be a good week, I think, to get we're gonna learn a lot about Oklahoma, how they're really going to attack. I thought we saw a little bit of it against Missouri State. It was very vanilla though. Um, they're running really basic stuff, um, so which is not surprising. But we're going to learn a lot about Oklahoma this week, and I'm you know looking forward to kind of breaking down this matchup a little more tomorrow, and then get ready for the game this weekend that I will be watching from a couch for the first time in over a year. It's going to be weird. It's going to be really weird. Well, I guess I watched the UCLA game last year. I didn't I, travel to LA. I have no idea where I'm watching the game. Because our post, our home post game remotes got sold uh, to Cohiba Lounge, so we're gonna do the post game show from Cohiba Lounge or Royal Pipes, whatever. Like it's all one building, but basically what the franchise did last year. So I don't know where I'm actually gonna be for the game, but um, yeah, I guess that's where we'll end it today. Um, everybody, uh, and I'll let you kind of say thank you as well, Keegan, because you need to. Uh, thank you. If you sat through the opening plea for a subscription for a post game pod, uh, again, I don't. I'm not going to make it expensive. It's like I said, it's going to be four bucks. Um, we're going to have more content for you uh, to make it worth your while, and we might. I might even give away some. I got a bunch of OU shit that I don't either wear or use anymore. Um, might give away some goodies to, again to make it worth your while because it it 
it's just help for us. It's help for our lives and it's helped for us to, um, spring up and do better at these podcasts. I feel like we do a great job, Keegan, and I enjoy doing them. I take a lot of pride in it. Uh, we've got a really good listener base as it stands right now. Um, but at the end of the day, like we, we do need some life help. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, if you sat through that, thank you. And please just give it some thought. You don't have, I'm not putting a gun to your head, you know, just give it some thought. Uh, but again, we will make it worth your while. And then also, um, what you could do for free is, uh, rate the podcast on Apple podcasts. We have got 66 ratings right now and they're all mostly positive. Um, Let's get up to just six- enough, just enough cussing, right? Well, yeah, just enough cussing. Let's get up to sixty nine. Nice. Just uh, we we would appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. And like like Birdie said a second ago, yeah, thank you. I mean, to everybody that's listened so far, I think there could be a lot of cool things that could come from this ter- in terms of you know maybe getting special guest interviews we can throw on there um, for you guys and try to find some guys to interview that would pique your interest before they hit really the podcasts and all those things as well as. Me doing my game film stuff and more up-to-minute, you know, game film-related things that I can show, um, especially because, as, as I said earlier in the podcast, not everything makes it out to the public eye that I that I find. On yeah, these. yeah, and, like, kind of the idea for the post-game thing would just be um, kind of to that same vein, Keegan. Um, I have thoughts sometimes after OU games, especially the losses, that I'm like, man, I wish I would have recorded that, but at the same time, I don't know if I want it, want it out there. <laughs> sure. I, I said some pretty harsh things, so a paywall probably wouldn't hurt that. <laughs> hey, and, you know, if it's an extra tank of gas a month, for me, I can go cover some more football games, uh, get more insight for you guys on recruits and seeing guys up front, and I know you guys like my writing and my coverage on Sooners Wire, so, yeah, I mean, it would help out in every regard that you could think of, and I wouldn't I would definitely um, enjoy you guys subscribing and, con- you know, continue to build this base that Brady has built on already. And it would be really enjoyable to keep doing this uh, for as long as I possibly can. And that's where we'll end it. Uh, everybody, you know, like Keegan said a little bit earlier, we will probably put out a super pregame pod on Thursday um, for your listening pleasure. But until then... We'll give you more information on the Patreon thing later on in the week, probably by Thursday, I hope. We'll get that all squared away. Uh, But once again, thank you so much for listening to the Inside OU podcast. Thanks to Keegan. Uh, Thanks to everybody out there. Be safe. I hope we have football on Saturday. Um, But until next time, everybody, we'll talk to you later.